Welcome to the Embracing Abundant Life podcast, where we encourage and empower the listener. During this season, we want to make a visible impact with our 2021 outreach initiative. Go to asparkministries.com forward slash outreach to find out how you can be a part and receive an Aspark Impact t-shirt. Now, join our host as she talks with this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Embracing Abundant Life. I'm your host, Dr. Avis Sparks, and today we have with us Tyler Feller. He is the president of Tyler Feller Ministries, and he's a passionate pastor, and he's excited about all that God is doing. At M1 Church, he serves as the lead pastor, helping ignite a community on fire for Christ. He advises churches around the United States with his association at Intentional Churches. Uh, Tyler has been featured as a guest at many conferences, camps, churches, and business meetings in the USA. He has graduated with a master's degree in business management, and he loves the Philippines and Honduras. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing so well. What a privilege to be on the Embracing Abundant Life podcast. What a great name for a podcast. That's what yeah, it's a long one. But I, John 10, 10. So I love it. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um. Well, you have a book that's coming out in November called Don't Stop and actually a podcast with the, the same name. So I want to know, where did you get that mindset of don't stop? You know, I heard a story about an aquarium owner once, and I don't know why, but he decided to put a barracuda in the same tank that he put a goldfish in. And in any normal circumstance, a barracuda would devour a goldfish in no time. But uh, this owner put a glass partition between the two. And what would happen when the barracuda would go around and around and around, and then he would lay his eyes on that goldfish and he would try to get him, but he would hit that glass partition. And the owner was listening and he was constantly hearing that you know, that thud against mm. the, the glass partition. And one day there were no more thuds. And so he decided to remove that glass partition and the barracuda just stopped one more time. And he would have, you know, got what he was wanting. He would have got that, he would have got that goldfish. And I just wonder for us, how many people do we come up against that are just one more try away from the breakthrough that they've been praying for? One more job application to land their dream career. One more creative idea to be validated and fulfilled. One more invitation to church for the family member that they lose sleep over. One more prayer you know, to God until all heaven breaks loose in their life. And I think so many times people give up on the dreams that God has for their life because they've had some struggles or failures or unmet expectations along the way. And we're not called to give up. We're called to keep going. And I just want to say one more time. That's it. That's all you need. And maybe that barrier is released and you're ready. You know, you're ready for the breakthrough. So I tell people don't stop. Yeah. Well, how have you seen that um, incorporated in your life personally? Just that don't stop mentality. You know, I I grew up with some dysfunction in my life uh, and just in in the heritage that I grew up in. And it was really economically suppressed where I grew grew up. It was the eighth poorest congressional district in the United States. I think there was at the time 435 congressional districts were the eighth poorest. There's a lot of dysfunction, uh, a lot of drug usage in the area that I grew up in. Very rural. We didn't have access to a lot of resources. And so on top of the dysfunction, there was lack of access for me. And I think what happens a lot of times is, is people look at what happens sociologically around them and they're not able to get past it. 
And you can take two people that had the same upbringing. And I've learned to realize that it's all about the mindset. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he becomes. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm wanting to do is try to inspire people that they can believe in themselves because God believes in them. And mm -hmm. so I just had to start doing that for myself, push past whatever circumstances that I, you know, have put on myself. I used to think I was going to have a second rate life or a second tier life mm -hmm. because of some of the things that had happened to me. And on the other side of it, there's so much freedom with God. And I realized that I can embrace the abundant life that you're talking about, um, because that's actually what Jesus came on this earth to do. Seek and save that which was lost. And by doing it, restoring and giving restitution back to everything that the enemy stolen. And so I just started to dream big. And I think it's courageous decision making, radical honesty and mm -hmm. dreaming big. And when we start to do those things, God really has gone before us and laid a pathway for us to have success in a lot of different areas. Well, where, you know, you're saying from, from the position you started at, you know, just your upbringing to where you are now, what changed that tra trajectory for you? What was that light or that thing that said, um, you know, I can or it's possible? You know, uh, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be the president of the United States. Okay. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I went to this little school uh, in, in Southeast Missouri where I grew up. And at the time, the governor of Missouri had gone to that school. His dad was the superintendent and then he'd grown okay. up to be the governor of Missouri. And he flew into our school and he gave us like a flag to hang up, a Missouri flag and a USA flag to hang up. And my school put me in charge of it. And it just ignited my heart for, for politics. And so every day I was in charge of putting these flags up and, and taking them down. And then career day rolled around. And whenever career day rolled around, they said, dress up for whatever you want to be. And I dressed up in a suit and I went out in the hallway. They were going to take a picture of everybody who dressed up. And the school counselor was like, oh, Andrew, you're going to be a basketball player. Oh, Bethany, you're going to be a bull rider. And like, Randy, you're going to be a truck driver. Like went through all the people. And when she got to me, she said, and Tyler, you're going to be. And she couldn't read. I had a little name tag that said president, but she couldn't read it. She oh. said, pra, pra. And then she said, preacher. And <laughs> just because of my mindset, like I never thought I was good enough to be a preacher somehow, you know, it's a 10 year old brain. I thought I was good enough to be the president, uh, but I didn't think I was good enough to be a preacher because they had so much influence in my life. They were so important to me. And so I took off my name tag and I decided uh, to, uh, to allow people to guess what I was for the rest of the day. And I think that was a light bulb for me. Like I put restrictions over myself that I was never able to actually be a preacher. Somehow I thought I was going to be the president, but my brain wasn't working that, you know, that well, but yeah. Uh, really it was a prophetic moment of destiny where a counselor at the school was taking a class picture and decided to speak something. And it was the Holy spirit using her to breathe that life in me. And mm -hmm. so it was a light bulb. And I think here's what people don't understand. I think if people went all the way back to the beginning of their life, um, there's a thread of God's faithfulness. You know, there's a thread of who he is. Just like if you go through the Old Testament, you can see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament because yeah. it's setting up this incredible rescue and redemption story. And in the same way, like God, while we were in our mother's womb, knitted us together, formed us, declared we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And whenever he did that, he put skills and talents inside of us that only we have, nobody else has, only we have. In fact, I believe that so many people are better than anyone in the world at the thing that God has asked them to do. Yeah. We just got to cultivate it and understand it. And yeah. so when we look back at our 10-year-old self or even before that, what we begin to see is how God was really shaping us into living in the destiny that he has for us. And so when I was getting started in ministry. I, I came up through the ranks with some incredibly talented, gifted, anointed people. 
and they had some turbulence or some resistance, some of it on their own, some of it because they were in bad cultures and environments, and they gave up the dream that God had put in their heart. Now they're, you know, working at a factory or working at a gas station or being a photographer or whatever. And those things are all fine, but it's not their destiny. It's not what God has for them. And so for me, it's looking at the light bulb of my life from whenever I was a kid. And I think everybody needs to learn how to do that. So where did that, that for you was that moment, you know, you said that your counselor kind of spoke that over you, but where did in your, in your walk, did you say, okay, I want to be a preacher. This is where I feel that God has been leading me to uh, as a profession. Yeah. I'm, tr- I'm plugging my computer in case you want to wonder. Yeah. But whenever she, whenever she did that to me, it, it opened my heart. I took the name tag of president off and I put it in my little interior pocket of the suit that I was wearing. And I just began to dream about what that looked like. And I would have dreams at night of me on stages and, you know, in in arenas preaching the gospel. And so it was really, it's like a, it it was a, it was a birthing of something important. What the, the sort of founder or forefather or grandfather of self-help was a Christian guy by the name of James Allen. One of the ways that he puts it, he says, the oak tree sleeps inside of the acorn. And so, and I think it's such a powerful idea that it's the seedlings of our dreams before they become a reality. It's one of the things that Jesus talks about, like before anything ever comes out of our mouth, it's resting in our heart. And so we need to be able to dream big with God. And, you know, just in that situation for me, it was the seedling. It was the acorn for God to birth that in me. I started to dream about it. I started to say yes to opportunities. I started to study other preachers and and teachers and uh, start entering speech competitions and just things like that to try to cultivate and activate this skill and, and skill set that God had over me. That is beautiful. Just how you um, depicted how um, in your life, it was like, it started off as something small as someone saying something, but you got, you begin to nurture that with your, your dreams and visions. And then you went beyond that to actually applying and learning things, you know, it's like, okay, it's not, is it only a dream and a vision? Let me actually prepare myself for yeah. this thing that I'm, that I'm dreaming of that I, I believe now is possible. And I think sometimes we stop at that dreams, that dream part of it and don't actually get to the place where we prepare ourselves to actually walk in that thing that we say we want. So, so, um, so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And the Bible says this, that the power of life and death is in the tongue or another way to say it. And depends on what version of the Bible you're reading, uh, the power of blessing and cursing is in the tongue. Mm-hmm. And so what happens sometimes to people is they're incredibly blessed by the words of others because that's what happens with the tongue, but they're also cursed by other people. And so some people are hung up on the words of their third grade teacher that spoke negatively about a situation. You'll never make it as an artist. You'll never do this. And really what it was, it was a curse over their destiny. And so it's prevented them from going any further, or we can receive the positive things that people say as blessings. And so whenever somebody says, Tyler, you're going to be a preacher or whatever, okay, that's a blessing. That was a prophetic insight to, you know, what God has for me. And when we, when we talk about blessing other people with our words, what we're doing is we're not speaking to where they're at. We're speaking to where they could go. Mm -hmm. We want to speak to the potential that's inside of them, because if we can speak to where they're going, speak to their potential, maybe they'll rise to it. Like my little cousin, he was born premature. And uh, one of the things that sort of comes with somebody who's born premature is sometimes, you know, they're kind of scrawny or little as they, as they start to grow into their body. And I remember just looking at him like, Hey man, you're so strong. You've been doing some pushups. Uh, like I'm so proud of you. And, you know, just doing that, it helps build his self-esteem into who he is. And now, you know, he is a strong young man and has a lot of courage and a lot of faith. And I think, you know, just those building blocks of, of speaking into that is so helpful. 
Yeah, the, the power of the tongue. Um, when uh, One of the things you're saying is about igniting community, a community on fire for Christ. So how do you go about that as a pastor, actually getting beyond the, the four walls and getting into the community? Um, yeah, we say we want to be the lifeblood of our community. So, and, and it's a small community, so it might be a little bit easier for us to do that. But if there's any possible way that we can help, we do it. So if we can help at the school with something, if we could feed the football team, you know, every every single week before there's a game, we're going to try to do that. Whatever we can do, we're going to be there to help if, if they need help. Um, when the, when the pandemic happened, for example, they shortened the school hour. So they, instead of dismissing at three, they went to one that made a big problem because parents are used to picking their kids up at three. So we opened up our church for after school uh, program. And so we had literally the bus from the school was bringing a, a busload of kids to our church every single day last year during the school year. We we're taking care of the kids um, just because I think it, it looks like us being the hands and feet of the gospel everywhere we go. And so we want to be the lifeblood of our community. Yeah. Like you said, it, and it's like reaching out is just, as you said, is just meeting a need. It's not trying to do something so elaborate. It's just saying, this is what's needed. And that's yep. a, the church should come up to meet that need. Right. Um, and, and that's very practical ways of doing it. You know, you don't have to think something big or I have to say something grand or, or big scale. As you say, as simple as um, giving a meal or um, being there when somebody needs someone to watch the, the, your child or something mm -hmm. like that. And so very practical ways of being the church and then reaching out to a community. Um, have you seen that impact um, your church um, overall, just being able to meet needs of those around you? Yeah, it makes a big difference. I mean, it, it, part of the thing with the church, if you look at what happened genera generationally, so we have like the baby boomers who were sort of forced to go to church uh, whenever they were growing up and they didn't put the same restrictions on their kids and in, in, in the generation X below them. Right. And so they kind of went to church sometimes. And then there's the millennial generation that hardly ever went to church. And now we got this next generation the generation Z that hasn't gone to church at all. And part of that is because there was so much legalism and religiosity inside of the church that it's got a bad rap. And so people are like, I don't want to have to go to a place where I have to dress up. I don't want to go to a place where all they do is talk about my money. I don't want to go to a place that's, you know, made it a social club instead of something that's a difference maker. And one of the things that happens when you decide to go outside of your four walls and make a big, you know, a big difference in the community uh, is that it sort of reignites people's hope in the church. And it does make a difference when we're talking about that after school program, 80% of those kids that came, their family started attending our church. It changed their mindset of it. Mm. We'll do things too. Like we'll just set up on the corner and give away free snow cones for, you know, till we run out for a couple hours. <laughs> we'll just do things like that. Like whatever we can do to let people know, like God's good and he loves you and he cares about you. Hey, no strings attached. We did an ice cream truck where we set up different spots in, in all the different neighborhoods and we did free ice cream trucks. And we went to five or six different locations and they could come and it felt like an ice cream truck. People come get whatever they want completely free. Mm -hmm. We just want to bless people. And really what happens is you're furthering the great commission because it's the kindness of man that draws people's hearts to repentance. It's yeah. us looking like Jesus who was about love. He always made people feel loved. He never made them feel worse. Mm -hmm. So what is a church, what do you need to be able to pull that off, you know, um, in a sense of just volunteers or actually just staff to be yeah. able to you continue, continuously be out there to meet a need, you know? Well, I think it's important that we understand that we have a mandate over our life as believers, not to be pew sitters. 
And when we look at the Great Commission, Jesus gave that to us in, in Matthew chapter 28. He says we have a responsibility basically to introduce people to Jesus and teach them to follow him. And then we see an expression of the early church in Acts chapter 2, where they start to live it out for the very first time, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And they're coming together and they're in each other's homes and they're meeting with glad and sincere hearts and everybody gave everything. And yeah. for me, it sort of sets up this idea of what we should be doing as believers. Number one, it says it in several places in the Bible, we should be coming together to hear uh, teaching on the word. And so we have a responsibility to be environments where we're learning. We call that a Sunday morning worship experience in most places. But we also need to be in a smaller community of other believers. Um, so some churches have small groups or Sunday schools or whatever. And I don't think it matters what it is, but you need to be in a large group gathering where you're hearing the word of God and you're being convicted and you're challenging yourself and you're going deeper in the word. And then you need to be in a group setting where it's a smaller group of people who can speak to both, you know, your, your potential, but also your blind sides and help cultivate mm -hmm. that. But in addition to those two things, every believer has a mandate over their life to give hope and to use their gifts and skills and talents. And so I think churches need to do a better job of creating opportunities and making those opportunities known and calling every single person that's a part of their congregation into a life of servanthood uh, alongside them. And so for me, it's not a, a matter of like, hey, how do we go get volunteers? For me, it's a matter of like, hey, if you're a believer, you're gonna do this because this is what Jesus says. And this is the mark of a true disciple. We're gonna serve and we're gonna give back and we're gonna go above and beyond in every category because that's sort of the mandate that Jesus lived with and also showed us in the scripture. And that's what the early church did. And by the way, when the early church was doing it, several thousand people came to the Lord on the first day. And it said the numbers were added to them daily, which meant the numbers weren't just added on the Sunday worship experience. In fact, in yeah. the first church, the only people who were allowed into that worship experience were the people who were baptized believers because they didn't have enough space. And then they were called to God and serve and love other people so that they could become baptized believers. And we flipped the script on it. And now it's like, well, if I can just get this person to church, the pastor would do the job of sharing the gospel. We share the gospel by how we live. Yeah. They know that we're a disciple by the way that we love. And so we love and we give and we serve. And that draws people to Jesus. Yeah. So you, you, you speak with a lot of passion about that. But is there any other passion for you other than community outreach? Um, yeah, I'm passionate about everything. That's why I put it in my bio, a passionate pastor. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that I'm most passionate about is looking at people and, and, and helping them get in this place where they can get past themselves. In fact, it was, that's another thing that was embedded in me whenever I was a middle school student as a part of a ministry type team called Vibes, Victorious Young Believers Experiencing Salvation. We would say it every time before we would begin a ministry session, we'd say, help me, get me past me, or Jesus, get me past me. When I think about when Matthew was called into the ministry, he was a tax collector. We know that. I love how The Chosen sort of depicts him. If you watch it, if you've ever seen that in season one, it's almost like he has Asperger's or autism or something. He's sort of sneaking around and he's constantly writing stuff down in his notebook. And Jesus looks at him and he saw past his position as a tax collector and he saw his potential. Mm -hmm. Matthew needed someone that would be able to see his potential. Maybe he was born in that position. Was his dad a tax collector before him? Maybe thought he was one day going to be a priest. He was called Levi, which is a tribe that was assigned to priesthood in Jerusalem. Yeah. But what happened was that Matthew becomes a tax collector, unclean, hated, cast out of the synagogue, called a sinner. And then Jesus comes along, walking along, and he sees Matthew. In fact, Son of God, that movie depicts Matthew at a table collecting money when Jesus sees him. He sees Matthew, and what does he see? He sees potential. There is a man who probably 
travels a whole lot for his job. Jesus is thinking, we're going to do a whole lot of traveling. That's going to make a good disciple. There's a man who probably knows lots of languages. Well, they're going to places where maybe Jesus didn't know the language or the other disciples don't know the languages. Matthew probably does because he's having to communicate with these people. Mm -hmm. Here's a man who's connected to a lot of sinners. Well, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus looks past his position Mm -hmm. and sees his potential and responds with purpose. And I think if there's anything that we need is more people in ministry and not even not in ministry, creating opportunities for people who are not quite yet there, but have potential to get there. Let's speak into the potential they have, not the position they're in. And we respond with the purpose that's over their life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Just looking at and for us ourselves, you know, not always discounting what is there. You know, we always think about what's not there, but we don't take the time to see what is there that God would like yeah. to use, that Christ is calling us to to use to serve people and, and to make an impact. Yeah. Um, um, what do you think? Um, do you think it's something that's ingrained and in um, get your opinion, something that's ingrained, just being a Christian to just want to make a difference, to want to make an impact. There's just something that needs to be taught and trained for. You know, I think our culture in general has ingrained in us that we're meant to be consumers instead of contributors. Mm-hmm. And we have to fight past that. We're not meant to be consumers. We're meant to be contributors. God wants us to, you know, be more focused on other people. And it, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is whenever Jesus stops for Zacchaeus. And I think about it because he has a whole entire day of ministry ahead of him. And he always went on purpose, I believe, wherever he was going. He only did public ministry for three years. And he likely knew that he was only going to do ministry for three years in the way that he prophesied about his own body, you know, being in the tomb for three days and then resurrected, you know, three days later. It's like he knew that that was going to happen. And so he was probably done with one ministry event on the way to another ministry event and walks along and sees Zacchaeus up in a tree and says, Hey, I'm going to come over to your house for dinner, call up Domino's or whatever you got to do. Like, let's get some pizza. Cause I'm going to come to your house tonight. And I think that's so powerful. We need to learn how to stop for the one. We need to learn how to stop for the one. And as believers we're naturally uh, designed, I think to turn inward because we're corrupted in our DNA with the sin of Adam and Eve. And we're so selfie focused and narcissistic as a culture. We don't realize that we're meant to be contributors and not consumers. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like just, just on a daily? What does that look like being a contributor? You know, I, I, I asked my church every morning if they would wake up and ask that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the spirit for the day. And then we put our boots on the ground. We need to realize that we're on mission. So Jesus today, show me who is the one person I'm supposed to minister to. Give me eyes to see who it is that you're highlighting. You never know. I, you, I, told, I told them this uh, just last Sunday. I said, you never know the person who dropped the money in front of you at the gas station and you picked it up and gave it to him. Like, were you supposed to share the gospel and witness to that person in that moment? Were you stopping for the one in that moment? And I don't ever want to have a moment where we're supposed to stop for the one and we don't, and we realize that they've gone to be with the Lord. And so it's like, even if I have the slightest little inkling in my heart that I'm supposed to be ministering to that person or even just encouraging that person, I'm going to stop and do it because I don't want to have to stand before God blood on my hand saying, I don't know, I'm <laughs> totally messed up on that one. Sorry. I just want to go all in for him. Uh, I heard another pastor put it like he's going through the uh, 
going through the TSA line at the airport. And they're obviously making sure you have nothing on you. They do the big scan or whatever. And he's like, what if we get to heaven and we go through the holy angel TSA line? And, you know, we want to make sure there's no more encouraging words left in us. No more people we're supposed to minister. No more songs we're left you know, we're left supposed to write no more sermons. We're supposed to preach no more blogs. We're supposed to write and we'll just leave it all out there. Uh, and, and I think that's what we got to do. It's not easy. That's not an easy life, but if we put anything before Jesus, I think it'd be fair to call it an idol. Jesus is so good to us. Why would we ever want to put anything in front of him? He's so good to us. Why would we ever for even one second want to turn to anything in the world as an answer instead of turning to him? And if we have that freely, we've been given that we should freely give that. And you you speak how you're speaking. It makes me think of this other the other side of things is, you know, we really we truly want to minister to the world um, and share the love of Christ. But in that it's you know, the, the word of God speaks to this uh, works of the flesh. So how do we get to the place where we make sure we're not going into works of the flesh, but, and sometimes we can wear ourselves out with that works of the flesh part. So how do we safeguard um, that aspect of making sure we're out there, we're making an impact, but not, you know, overflowing into that other or crossing that line into the works of the flesh? You know, when Samuel was a little boy, he was trying to learn how to hear the Lord speak. In fact, Eli began to instruct him. He would hear the voice of the chatter. He, he thought it was Eli, the priest, and he would go in there and say, are you speaking to me? No, 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 Samuel, I'm not speaking to you. Go back to bed. And finally, the third time they realized what's happening, he said, you need to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And so we need to be posturing ourselves in a way that we're hearing from God. Uh, Jesus says that he is the shepherd and we are his sheep, so we should know his voice. And so I added a little catchphrase to the end of it, but I just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and ready to respond. So we have to be in communion with Heavenly Father. If we're not doing anything where we're in communion with him, it's going to be in vain. But the scripture also says to never grow tired of doing good, never grow weary of doing good. And in the right time, the harvest will come. I interviewed somebody on my podcast uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I haven't published it yet, but they felt like the Lord told them to start making short videos. And this was before TikTok even. And so for years, they were making like 30 second videos and posting them online and like hundreds of videos. In fact, during COVID, they were doing videos every single day. And Mm -hmm. then on their 30th birthday, the Lord smiled upon them. And one of their videos went viral. And overnight, they went from like 100 followers to 800,000 followers, Mm. like just the Lord just smiled on them. And now, uh, and they were leading a church that had three or four people showing up. And now their church has thousands of people. (laughs) And, and just like in the past few months, they're traveling and speaking and the Lord's using them in an incredible way. And it's because they didn't grow tired. They kept doing the thing that they were supposed to do. Uh, And I know it's not going to be that grand of a scale for, for every person, but I know that in our flesh. Uh, we naturally are not going to want to do good for others. Mm. And so if it's good, it probably is from God. That's what I would say. Mm. And if you're doing good because you're trying to highlight yourself, you know, that's an impurity in your heart. So you need to say, God, purge anything inside of me, out of me, that's not of you. Mm-hmm. And so some people do that. They grow tired of doing good because they're doing it for themselves and not for God. Mm. If you're doing it for God, then you have a wholly eternal perspective. Yeah. You see where you you have that God focus that keeps you to moving forward because it's his agenda that you're, you're trying to make, Mm -hmm. make happen. 
And I'm also super optimistic because I just don't think there's any reason for us to be pessimistic when we have the hope of glory for eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know that. And I think like sometimes I get criticism because of that. It's like, I can't help but be incredibly optimistic. In fact, sometimes I try to make myself be more pessimistic in the way that I communicate because I know I'm overly optimistic, but even if it's bad, like, even if it's bad, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, even if we don't make it out of the fire, is what they said, even if, mm. uh, even if we don't make, Daniel says, even if I don't make it out of the lion's den, like, even if we don't make it out, like, God's still good and we're with him for eternity, right? Like, so yeah. what we're living on this earth is just a tiny, tiny microcosm of what the future holds. And so it's really tough for me to tip into pessimistic attitude when we have so much to be optimistic about. And so when we talk about failures, unmet expectations, struggles that people have that have kept them away from embracing the abundant life that God has for them, we need to really learn how to get past ourselves so that we can get into the road and pathway that God has for us. Yeah. Well, you shared just so many great nuggets um, during our, our, our conversation. And um, um, hopefully people will take the time to just listen through it again to make sure that they've absorbed all the um, the wisdom um, that you shared. Um, is there any parting words that you have for something this, that you would just want to make sure that um, our listeners, um, that has come across our listeners? Well, you know, it's a privilege that anybody would take a second to listen to it. So if they want to go and listen again, that's a even more incredible privilege that somebody would do that. And I think I would encourage them to, you know, to not stop. And I would say this, that if they really lean into all that God has for them, the best days of their life are ahead of them. They're just around the corner. Isaiah 22, 22, he's opening doors for you that no man can shut. He has a purpose and destiny for your life that goes above and beyond anything you can imagine. Ephesians 3, 20, don't stop. You're too important. You're too important to God's plan. You're too important to your friends and family. You're too important to your church. You have made it this far. Don't stop now. Oh, do you mind giving us a prayer? Yeah, sure. So thank you, Jesus, for uh, this incredible ministry, this incredible podcast. I speak your favor over it. We speak Psalm 512 that you would surround her ministry with your favor like a shield. And Lord, I just say for more influence than she can imagine. And for every single listener today, God, Every single person that's taken aside 30 minutes or so to to listen to this podcast and dive into it, we just speak that their ears are open to what you're speaking to them, that they're inspired and encouraged about the life that you have for them, God, and that you begin to just move them, shake them, challenge them, and encourage them in the ways that you have, that they will remember those moments that when they were a kid, that you wove something into their DNA, that the desires of their heart are the desires of their heart because you made them the desires of their heart. They don't have to feel guilty about the things that you've called and asked them to do. And I pray for open doors for them, that they begin to step into with courage and boldness, exactly what you're asking them to do. And that they say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and ready to respond. And that when they say that prayer, they hear your voice. And without question, they begin to walk in obedience to you. Thank you, Jesus, for people that are listening today. Amen. Amen. I was going to have you do one more thing. For those who want to get in contact with you, um, your podcast, your ministry, how can they do that? What is your social media tags, your website, things such as that? Yeah. So just the best way is probably Instagram, which is just at Tyler Feller, or they can go to my website, tylerfeller.com. The book's available on November 16th is when it's coming out and it's available on Amazon or anywhere you can buy books, or you can also get it from my website, which is tylerfeller.com. Thank you all so very much. And thank Tyler for just being with us and and sharing his experiences and wisdom. We pray that this episode of Embracing Abundant Life has blessed you. 
Tune in next week as we continue the Overcomer series. We are more than just conquerors. Because of Christ's love for us, we are children of God and allowed to live an abundant life. If you are enjoying the content, be sure to subscribe and share. For more inspirational content, visit asparkministries.com and sign up for the devotional and newsletters.